0: The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Carlos Rivero, Chief Data Officer for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Carlos, we were talking about the whole issue of getting, uh, uh, how do you say it, I guess cooperation and alliance with departments, uh, program departments outside your own agency to work with them for accessing their data. And as you said before, it's a process. It's a process that depends on a lot of uh, back padding and uh, relationship building and it's everything else. But I'm sure there must be sometimes when you do have a problem that arises, what's your fallback? Do you go to the the cabinet secretary or what's your alternative if you're finding? Uh, recalcitrance that can't be uh, changed?
1: Working for the governor, you always have the fallback of uh, having the governor issue an executive directive and force the hand of the executive agency to do what it is you want to do. However, that's not optimal. That's not ideal. And that's not an approach that I take lightly. I always go through working with the executive agencies and and identifying what the common interests are. I mean, really focus more on interest-based negotiation at the end of the day. I mean, if, if you want to boil it down to a concept, that's exactly what it is. It's looking at our combined interests, uh, identifying where, where we're aligned, uh, looking at where we're opposed, and then being able to, to bridge the gap and then identify those differences. Um, yes, there are opportunities where you have to go back to, you know, the cabinet secretary or, or one level up, you know, and, and make them aware. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, also, you know, we have to keep in mind that the governorship within uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia is a one term deal. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't push so hard that you start making enemies right out the gate because, you know, people will just wait you out. I mean, it, it is it is one of those uh, times where this too shall pass. And, and you want to make sure that you're not blowing your relationships by coming out the gate with this heavy handed approach, because at the end of the day, that's not going to serve you and it's not going to serve the the Commonwealth.
0: Right. Uh, it reminds me, uh, again, when I was a CIO uh, in Massachusetts and in, and in uh, California, I was responsible for data center consolidation back in the day. And you can imagine how, uh, what a difficult transition that was for all these data centers that were interspersed throughout agencies across the state. And they were all very reluctant. In fact, none of them. <laughs> I don't ever recall any data center manager ever coming on board early on. One of my uh, strategies was to take aside each one of the data center managers privately and swear them to secrecy and confidentiality and (laughs) promise them that when the data center was consolidated, they'd be the new consolidated data center manager. (laughs) I I think I offered that to all of them at one time or another. And that's not far from the truth. But anyway, you're kind of using all kinds of levers to kind of get the job done. And uh, certainly having executive sponsorship, whether you're a CIO or CDO or whatever, that executive sponsorship at the secretariat level, and and especially at the governor's level, can really uh, get those doors open, right? Good to have that.
1: Absolutely. And one of the other things that I've done as well is is not just approach uh, executive branch agencies to say, we're going to do this and you need to give me this, Um, but it's also, what are the problems you're dealing with and how can I serve you? What are the things that I can do? that's going to improve your operational environment and get you where you need to be as well. Because obviously they have needs also, and being able to address those needs is, is one of the main things that I've been trying to focus on. And being able to bring them resources, whether they're student resources through our CDEP program that help them do visualization and analytics of the data that they already have, or you know contracts that we already have in place through the statewide contracts that I can connect them up with to help them get work done in a much faster, more efficient way. So it's a two-way street, and it's not just about getting stuff from them, but it's also providing our executive branch agencies with the service and support that they need to be effective and, and successful.
0: One of the issues that I dealt with in Massachusetts, I worked very closely with Bill Martin, who was the controller at the time, and he used an expression called, he said the data was locked up in jail in these old legacy applications, particularly from his standpoint, talking about financial applications. I would assume, and we we realize that one of the God's gifts of the cloud is to allow for optimization of access to data. Should I assume that one of your uh, goals and objective is to modernize some of these legacy applications to make the data analysis and data capture and data review a lot uh, facilitated? through uh, state-of-the-art uh, technologies like the cloud. Is that one of your uh, roles and responsibilities?
1: Yeah, absolutely, it's looking for opportunities for our optimizing our technology infrastructure to help support data sharing and data analytics, but ultimately to support actionable intelligence, right? Being able to take decisive action that's that's evidence-based and, and data-driven. Um, so yeah, looking at legacy systems and identifying ways to modernize those systems uh, to be able to get access to the data uh, much more efficiently is definitely within the purview. And, and to that point, I mean, the Opioid Pilot Project, which is now a uh, FACT, the Framework for Addiction Analysis and Community Transformation, is the implementation of such a model where we had the mandate to work with you know, localities, to work with community organizations, to work with private healthcare systems, none of which are part of the Commonwealth of Virginia state government, right? But we needed an environment that allowed us to be able to share data with each other and then build on that, you know, analytic solutions and intelligence to be able to share that back to the communities and let them respond uh, to the opioid crisis. And so that's we went with the cloud solution. Right. And and regardless of what your operational environment is, we figured out a way to transcend any of those limitations and bring those data assets into that cloud environment to support the sharing across the the diverse audience. So, yeah, absolutely. Cloud plays a, a significant role and being able to to modernize and optimize our infrastructure.
0: And I would think that an initiative uh, sponsored or at least uh, advocated by you to modernize these legacy applications is one way to uh, make these program folks more amenable to your job, which is that whole uh, data analysis and data integrity and everything else, right? You've got something positive to show them. You're not just a control agency telling them what to do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I consider myself more of a service injury, help, helping them accomplish their goals.
0: Tell me, how when you have to work with a department, I mean, like I said, you did an inventory of all these applications and all the data. Who do you work closely with? The chief information officers of these departments? Have you proselytized in a way that each of your, well, I was going to bring this up later, but I know you have a training program for data are you going to kind of create a CDO positions within these departments? A lot of times like the CIOs have spread throughout government.
1: Um, Not necessarily. I don't think that, you know, the way I see it, a CDO position is really more of a transparent, uh, if everything's working right, you shouldn't have that level of visibility, right? There should just be things running and, and everything is working well. In these organizations, you already have data stewards. You already have data custodians. You already have people that are playing the roles, of data owners and and data managers that we could leverage, right? We don't have to create whole new positions to make this thing work. And and the reality is I work with a lot of different people. I work with CIOs. I work with executive leadership. I work with program managers. I work with data stewards. I work with database administrators. It doesn't matter where in the organization you fall. There's always an opportunity for me to engage with you because in, in many cases, my position is the liaison between the mission, and the technology, and being able to translate between both is, is a key asset of any data officer.
0: One of the aspects that I found interesting uh, from your newsletter that I want to talk about a little bit, congratulations on that, by the way. I think it's a great idea. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, what are the biggest challenges and the barriers you have to success? I know we've talked about some of them uh, in general, but uh, what's your what's the toughest part of your job?
1: Wow, um, I would say ADD is the toughest part of my job. Um, you know, there, there are so many uh, wonderful projects to work on to, to be able to really limit your energy and your scope to those key projects that are going to deliver the most value is, is critical. And, um, and, you know, and I, and I find myself quite often biting off more than I can chew simply because there, there are just so many great opportunities to do uh, fantastic work that in many cases, you are your, your worst enemy, and you're putting way too much on your plate. Uh, so you have to be able to prioritize and, and identify what is going to generate the most value. So that to me is, is really the, the biggest obstacle. Um, everything else, I mean, really, technology is not an issue. We have more than enough technology to be able to solve every possible need we want creatively and in all kinds of ways. Processes, definitely we need to re-engineer some processes, and that's just part and parcel of the evolution of an organization, right? You're as, as your needs change, your processes need to change. But really the, the biggest thing that I find is, is, is takes the most amount of time, but is really the most rewarding as well, is working with people and being able, like we said earlier, to build those relationships and start creating that foundation for how the organization needs to operate from a personal perspective, from a culture perspective, right? Sure. It's influencing the culture of that organization to be more data-driven, to be more data-aware. And that's where that web-based training comes into play, you know, it's, it's being able to provide training to every member of the organization, regardless of the role or title, on the importance of data, data governance, and and, and just having a better understanding of the value of data within the decision-making of the organization. Uh, okay. So that's what that course is all about.
0: We'll take a short break now. Our guest today is Carlos Rivero, Chief Data Officer for the Commonwealth of Virginia. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sud Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Carlos Rivero, Chief Data Officer for the Commonwealth of Virginia. We were just talking, Carlos, about your uh, relationship building and also about the culture. I think uh, you see that statement around here a lot of times these days, that the culture eats strategy and planning for breakfast every day. Changing the culture is really important, and it sounds like you've got a number of programs in place to address that issue. Explain a little bit more about that.
1: So, John, that's fun. That's funny you mentioned that that Peter Drucker quote, because uh, I usually expand upon it. And I got this from someone else, so I didn't make this up, but I don't remember their name. And, it, you know, it eats a strategy for breakfast, but technology and innovation for lunch and dinner. Um, <laughs> and it is absolutely true, right? It, it doesn't matter how innovative your solution is or what technology you've implemented. If the culture isn't willing to adopt it, it's, it's dead in the water. Right? It's not going to go anywhere. But at the end of the day, what is culture? And culture is the, indiv- is the behaviors of the individuals within the organization. Ultimately, what you want to do is change individual behavior so that it reflects the values of the organization and how you want the organization to behave. And, and ultimately, you know, if you, if you can't transcend the thoughts of culture down to the individual, you're never going to be successful. And so that's why I've been really focusing on, you know, establishing those individual relationships creating the web-based training that, that is directed solely or you know, strictly at the individual, letting them participate in, in the process, creating a governance framework that engages individuals across multiple layers of the organization in the data conversation. You know, it's, it's really about that level of engagement and participation at the individual level. That's key.
0: One of the things that your newsletter has mentioned uh, was a uh, some of the reasons where Data governance or analytics programs fail. And you mentioned that lack of engagement and participation was the key. Please expand upon that.
1: So, I mean, it, again, it kind of speaks a little bit to the, the culture aspect, right? If, if no one's adopting the solution that's presented, then where is it going to go, right? How are you going to be successful? You need to be able to engage folks. And in, in, in data analytics and business intelligence and the stuff that we're talking about isn't, aren't one-layer solutions. Right? They're not implemented in one layer of the organization and only left to that. They align everything, right? They coordinate everything down from the operational level all the way up to the strategic and executive level and the tactical level in between. And so being able to engage everyone along that line within the organization, right? The, the top-down alignment, but also the horizontal alignment across multiple divisions, departments, agencies, whatever kind of organizational structure you might have there's also that horizontal component because the data silos are vertical, but the needs are horizontal. And so being able to look at it from that perspective and identify that not only do you have to have a hierarchical approach of how do you engage individuals across the, the top-down levels of the organization, but also across the horizontal components of the organization is, is, is critical to the success of any of these data analytics projects. You can't do this by yourself, right? This is not something that an organi- a department within an organization Can take on and only do with the data that they have. They're gonna have to rely on other organizations to participate, share their data assets, but more than their data assets, share their knowledge of how that data was collected, what are the business processes that are used to drive that data collection, what are some of the flaws or issues that have been inherent in that data collection process so you know to avoid some pitfalls that will save you time, energy, and frustration later on down the road. So it truly is a team effort. And if you don't have that stakeholder engagement and participation from the onset, in a genuine authentic way, it's not going to succeed.
0: Sure. Uh, Let's talk about some of your other initiatives. We've uh, touched on a number, but I noticed, uh, particularly from your newsletter and other sources, that you have a number of things. You have the FACT, the COVID-related FACT, the acronym, Open Data Portals, Business Intelligence. Tell us a little bit about those other initiatives that you're heading. Um, So
1: we also have an initiative for uh, developing what Originally, I was calling it BI as a service, but really it's more data intelligence as a service. Um, and it's creating an environment and the infrastructure that goes along with it to support agencies in implementing intelligence solutions. Um, you know, Not all agencies have the resources, both financial, human, and technology resources to be able to stand up their own intelligence environments. So because we have this need within the CAD, CDO shop to be able to, to do, do our, our own analytics and build our own intelligence solutions, we decided to create something more universal, more enterprise where it, it, it takes a systems development lifecycle uh, approach to building out BI solutions or data intelligence solutions where the agencies themselves only have to develop the, the actual dashboard in terms of a development deployment uh, package. And then they hand that over to my infrastructure team. We deploy it into our test environment. We let them test it out. Once it's approved for, for promotion to production, we then promote it into our production environment and make it available, whether it's public facing through anonymous use or public facing, but named users, or if it's an internal facing um, application that has to have only COV named users, we can accommodate that as well. So it's creating an enterprise service that facilitates agencies adoption of intelligence capabilities without having to absorb the, the high infrastructure costs or high development costs off, off the bat.
0: And how about Data SAGE and the Meta Dictionary? What about that?
1: So Data SAGE is our secure analytics and governance environment. And it's essentially the environment that is the technical implementation of the Commonwealth Data Trust I alluded to earlier. So where the Commonwealth Data Trust is the legal framework for data sharing, articulating the roles and responsibilities for all of the different parties involved in the data sharing relationship, from the data providers to to the trustee, which is my office to the data recipients, organizations that are receiving restricted use data, to the individuals that work in those organizations that have to sign an individual non-disclosure agreement that certifies they understand their role and responsibility with safeguarding our, our you know, confidentiality and privacy of the restricted use data assets that they receive. So DataSage is the technical implementation of that environment where you know, data sets are onboarded into the environment. And when I say onboarded, That doesn't mean that they're copied from their transactional systems into this environment. They could be virtualized, right? So it doesn't have to be one or the other. Data doesn't have to move. It could be virtualized. But we're creating a technical environment where we can put our restricted-use data assets together, anonymize our our individual record-level data sets, create de-identified data sets that are still restricted-use but at the individual level but has no PII whatsoever but that are linked together across multiple organizations so you can see the information about an individual across multiple systems without really knowing about the identity of that individual uh him or herself and then have that environment be uh provide the tools for organizations like academic institutions localities other agencies non-government organizations to submit proposals to have access to these data sets that then are submitted to the appropriate data stewards automatically on their behalf, right? So you as a, as a user, as a potential user, don't have to know who the data stewards are that are, you know, uh, provide oversight over these data assets. You simply have to know, these are the data elements that I would like to use in my project. I'm gonna submit this proposal, these, this, is the par- this is the purpose, these are the security constraints that I have on my environment, you know, a variety of different things that go into the, the data sharing use agreement. That gets submitted to the data stewards. They identify whether or not they approve it. When they approve it, that creates a security controls in that same environment that allows you to query those data sets and create, um, pull down those data assets that you were asking for, for use in the particular project that you wanted. So Data DataSage, like I said before, is that technical implementation of that data sharing environment, of that data sharing trust that we have within the Commonwealth,
0: Carlos. You've been there what about twenty-two months? You've been there. You had it to do over again. What would you do differently? Wow, Less learned, is, if you will.
1: That is always a fascinating question. Um, I don't. I don't know if I would do anything differently. I think that. Um, I mean, uh, came in here. Uh, I wouldn't say guns blazing, but with a with, with a lot <laughs> of energy and a lot of enthusiasm about the work that I do because I truly love what I do. Um, I don't think that there have been any any missteps in, in terms of um, things that I would have done differently because they had a different outcome. I think that everything we've done up until now has been um, has been appropriate for, for the environment that we're in. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think I would change a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, there's probably about half the states now have a chief data officer and their position in the organizations are or all over the place. Um, what advice do you have for those other 25 states about creating the CDO position? What would you tell them?
1: Um, I think they would really need to think critically about what role data plays within their respective organizations and and where do they want the focus to be. Um, if they want the focus to be on technology, then yes, definitely you know put the CDO in the CIO's position or in the CIO's shop. Um, but I would recommend otherwise. I really recommend that they would think of data as a strategic asset that should be leveraged by all components of the organization. And that yes, it does have a technology implementation, but ideally, this is a business mission driver. And, and this is a position that, that would require that level of engagement and, and support.
0: Well, uh, very interesting. Carlos, with that, we're going to have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Carlos Rivero, Chief Data Officer for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Carlos, thanks for taking the time to be with us. And say hello to your CIO, Nelson Moe, for me.
1: Will do, John. Thank you.
0: And thank all of you for listening. Content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.